welcome to the NBA podcast. My name is Justin Pierce and I'm the editor. Today's podcast is one in our series called NDA Meets, where we sit down and chat to some of the most interesting, dynamic, innovative people in our industry. And today is no exception. I'm joined by Ryan Ashar, he's head of addressability at LiveRamp, and Terry Hornsby, who's group digital director at publishing giant Reach. We're going to be discussing our people-based marketing and addressability and all those other fun topics in this in the industry at the moment so let's have an intro from both of you uh ryan maybe let's kick off do you want to give a bit of an intro who exactly you are and what you do at where you work thanks justin yes i'm ryan afshar um i'm head of addressability for the uk for live ramp um live ramp is the leading data enablement enablement platform um what that means is that we we're a company that we, we help companies and their partners to better connect and control and activate data uh, to transform consumer experiences and generate more valuable business outcomes. And specifically, my role in the UK is is to help our brand clients to reach their audiences in a privacy-compliant way. Fantastic. Thank you. And Terry? Yeah, and I'm Terry Hallsby, Group Digital Director at Reach, um, responsible for digital P&L product operations um, and in commercial products in terms of the data and the stuff that we're going to be discussing today. Excellent. Okay, let's kick off and sort of trying to find people-based marketing it's been around the term for a long time now but what does it actually mean uh, and terry let's start with you yeah I, th- I think it means different things for me um I, I i don't think it means what people think out of the tin in terms of it's one person and we're interested in that one person i think it's a it's a group of people that are interested in insight and engagement and uh, content that they're they're consuming for us for the publisher um, so for us, people-based marketing is just more relevant, interesting insight into what people want, need, are interested in. Um, so that's what we're we're aiming for at Reach is to make it more relevant for people. And do you think what's changed? Because as we both say, it's been, this term's been around a long time now. So what makes it so? Why are we talking about it now? Yeah, I, I guess I guess the days of the washing machine popping up in front of you for thirty days. Um, has gone um, and I think that was really the kind of the first stages of people-based marketing um, but I think we've moved on further than that now and we, we understand our users better we also obviously need to understand them in a cookie world uh, and obviously we'll probably discuss that later but that again the third party cookie going um, next year that that is going to be a big change for the industry and we all need to make it more relevant for users and have that exchange with users. Okay so Ryan the th- same question to you. I mean, you know, you define people-based marketing for me. And again, why are we talking about it now? Yeah, I think similar to Terry, really, I think, look, marketing and advertising has always been about reaching people, right? <laughs> not not cats and dogs or robots. So, yes, we've always been about reaching about reaching people. But I think it's more in the current kind of uh, ecosystem, it's about reaching those individuals, those known users, as opposed to devices um, or, you know, a kind of... Uh, a cookie or cookies so it's, it's 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 narrowing down helping brands to find their customers to reach actual individuals more in a deterministic way as opposed to kind of probabilistic okay fantastic so let's talk about the the bigger sort of macro issues uh publishers revenue opportunities and obviously things are changing dramatically uh with all the macro changes we mentioned such as the deprecation of third-party cookies etc so what are the biggest challenges now for publishers looking to increase revenue opportunities terry um i think i think challenges is, is time uh, and effort um, we, we're 
like I've been at Reach for four and a bit years. Uh, probably two years ago, we started on the journey of understanding what people-based marketing in a cookie-less world would be um, and working with partners like LiveRamp and other partners and, and looking at, okay, is everybody ready for this? Um, and I think that's the big one of the single biggest challenges is don't, and I've said this before, don't wake up on New Year's Day in 2023 and go, oh, wow, I'm, I need to look at this now. It's, it's now we need to do that. And the biggest challenge for us is if you don't look at it now, as it moves, you'll be further and further behind. And um, I feel like we're in a good position, a comfortable position where we're moving where, where the ch- changes with like topics or cohorts or whatever that might be. Um, and we're moving with that with that tide. And I think that's that's the biggest challenge for publishers. You need to get on board with that. And if you're a big enough publisher that's got resource, then there's no excuse. You should be behind this and you should be doing, working on this already. Um, I think smaller publishers are going to be challenged because they haven't got that first party depth or the volume so if they want to target specific sections or context or insight or engagement for a user their sections might be too small to do that so they've got to partner with big publishers and they've got to sort of say look what can we do to build that up and do contextual maybe for smaller publishers is is going to be key um but yeah i think challenges is if you're a big publisher or medium publisher, get going now because you're you're late to the party already. Um, and then smaller publishers, I think you need to start building partnerships with people. So late to the party already. It's a lovely phrase, Ryan. Again, how do you see the the changes going in publishers at the moment? Yeah, look, publishers have got it tough at the moment. There's so much regulatory change happening around privacy. Um, it's a constant need to to kind of navigate that. And I think. Um, publishers need a sustainable way to kind of maintain the, and grow digital budgets um, while still meeting those kind of privacy checks and regulations. And so I think there is a lot of disruption happening. Um, as I said, they need to not just maintain business, but grow it. I think when it comes to, you know, you, you mentioned there, Justin, you know, the deprecation of cookies, but not just cookies, mobile IDs, IP addresses, um, addressability and how to make uh, a publisher's inventory more vi- widely available two brands is is critically important you know you know 40% of the web as we know is already cookieless so it's how do we maximize how to help publishers maximize the revenue against those um, unknown users but also increase yield on 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 the, the inventory that we're currently monetizing okay should we talk a bit about your partnership because obviously you know you're a partner just thinking together so Ryan, do you want to talk a bit about how how you work together i think it's quite interesting for people listening to understand how you know how you can work with a company like Live Ramp to address these issues we're talking about. Yeah, sure. And at the start, we, I kind of mentioned what Live Ramp does, and I think to bring that into kind of focus of our partnership with Reach, it's you know we our vision uh, and what we're trying to achieve is is help our brand partners, our clients, um, match uh, their data with a publisher's data, first party data in a consent based and, and privacy safe way. And essentially, what our authenticated traffic solution does is is exactly that: we enable a publisher provide a publisher with the same ID, a ramp ID, that the buyer, the brand, can actually transact, plan, measure against the same ID, and actually find those users, find those customers across the open web, across premium publisher sites like Reach, 
and um, you know we're, we're excited about the partnership and that's kind of we're just getting started and I think you know a, a, a publisher like Region Terry and his team who are really leading into first party data you know this is not something new for them they've been doing it for years Terry's built out a lot of exciting products which I'm sure he'll talk about but you know it's great to be working with a publisher that's really leaning, leaning into that and actually willing to test willing to try new things because there isn't a silver bullet publishers realize that now it's it's going to require blended different strategies contextual cohorts first party identifiers plus segmentation and, and, and kind of contextual solutions on their side so yeah it's it's great to be working with reach and you know we're excited about where the partnership is going to grow so terry i'd like to hear you know from your side how the relationship is, uh, is developing how it's uh, you know progressing how it's helping you uh, you know develop your strategy and again Ryan talked about the importance of testing and learning, and and so I'd like to hear about so how what you're doing in that sphere. So first of all, yeah, how did the relationship come about in the first place? Yeah, so obviously the the the, the topic is a, a large one in the industry, um, and LiveRamp being a, a really big partner in that industry and um, a big company in this space, and we talked long, long and hard about what what does it mean, and and I think I think Ryan hit the nail on the head there where he said it's early days, but the, the solution and the mechanism of being able to give an ID and match that ID is the first stage. And then it's a case of what can we layer on top of that in terms of the insight that we get. So if we get the insight of somebody that signed up to the Liverpool Echo football newsletter, that gives us insight and declared data that they're interested in Liverpool Football Club. We can then use the live ramp ID to match that user with somebody that's doing sponsorship for football or, or, or like a power league or something like that. The, like the, the, there's endless possibilities, and that's the exciting part about it is the the connection part is the main core foundation, and that's what live ramp provides for us. And then we get to layer insight on top of that, uh, and and that's the exciting bit. And and we at Reach are looking at this kind of what I call the life cycle segments where you have life events, you have weddings, you have moving house, you have buying cars and all of them events come with lots of different things and opportunities for advertisers to pitch to like mattresses for moving house or, and, and things that people don't think about. And I think that's the bit that my data team get really excited about is actually going, well, we can match them people because they've signed up to say they're moving house with our home moving newsletter we can now match them with live ramp and then now we can say look do you fancy a new bed that's that's the exciting stuff that we can do so yeah it's early days but we're we're working really really closely together to get that kind of that that out to the agencies and the advertisers I mentioned advertisers how's your relationship with advertisers changed how's how's it changing especially working with companies like live ramp yeah so we, we, at reach we've always had a client team uh which is direct integrations and that that was Built really for in housing and, and and all the big advertisers that were sort of taking media buying in, internally, uh, and then we've got our agency guys. But I think from the agency side and from the advertisers direct, the advertisers are waking up to the fact that okay, look, we've got all this rich data. We used to be able to buy it on the open web. In future, we might be only be able to buy it on our own properties. And you've seen big brands say recently that they're in housing and they're going to have media buying platforms. And um, and you've got a lot of um, advertisers that are changing their attitude to it now. And it's not because we're doing it in a privacy compliant way. And it's not the old way of doing data sharing of or, or, or what a partnership looked like ten years ago. It's now actually you can just match these IDs, and there's not there's there, there's areas to grow and I think 
CMOs at advertisers now are going, actually, this is a really good idea because we want to target new customers. We want to target current customers. We want to understand what they want to understand that their customer is going into their supermarket and then they come on our site and they're looking for me- like menus or ingredients for certain recipes, right? And then we can say, look, actually, we can take that person and give that recipes and them offers to them. And there's so many exciting opportunities. And we are in a lucky space with digital that we can do it very quickly and we can test. that. To that point, we test and deploy every single day as a commercial product team and the thing is you test it if it doesn't work you roll it back as long as you've got a quick rollback plan you can roll it back look at it review it again then deploy it again and nine times out of ten you'll find that actually that test really is exciting and then you can sort of grow that like the idea of you know, quick rollback plan that must be quite difficult for someone without the scale of reach I mean what sort of investment um, it, it, it is and it's not the, the, the rollback is always it's in the prep it's like a good meal right you prep it get all ready and it takes it takes five minutes to cook um that five minutes to cook Um, but that's that's where we are it's it's we plan we have certain kpis to be hit with every test that we do we make sure we what what as long as you know what success looks like you can then plan backwards and that's what we do we look at success and we go right this is what that is here's the test and and how we're going to get there and then you roll out and 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 luckily for me I have access to 50 plus sites. So I can actually do a rollout on one site, a rollback, or I can roll it out on several sites or a regional or a national. So I'm in a lucky position where it isn't all in, all out. Um, so it is a beast. We are massive, um, but actually that, that has advantages mm-hmm. in terms of being able to roll out on smaller cohorts of people. Okay, what are you seeing, Ryan? Again, this what I'm interested in is the changing relationship between advertisers and publishers. And you know, Terry's talking about first budget data. We all know that's been positioned as the sort of the new the new gold, really, in in our industry. So, how are you seeing the the relationships changing? Yeah, it's just a touch on on what Terry said about you know brands really excited about you know how to to finally leverage their data, not just within wall gardens where they can actually identify those individuals, but actually into the open market and into p- premium publishers like Reach and, and others. I think, look, from a live brand perspective, we're fortunate to, fortunate enough to work with some great brands such as Boots. Um, uh, there was a recent webinar from the, the Boots CMO Pete Marquis, who, who came out and said, you know, you know, working with us. Um, you know, like two years ago, it was less than seven percent of their their campaigns were, were were planned and bought using first party data. Currently, it's around forty percent, and they're seeing the results. You know, I think it, I think it was something like they've seen for every pound spent on advertising using first party data, they saw two pounds back in terms of revenues. And so, it's that move towards business outcomes that brands are really what's behind driving this change. Um, I think also you look at look, the, the amount of investment that goes into the wall gardens or the triopoly um, is over is over sort of seventy uh, percent, and yet time spent is only fifty percent. I say I think you know giving publishers and helping publishers to democratize that media investment um, to help tap into those budgets that you know largely are going to those 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 wall gardens is is a best is a great outcome for the publishers. It's a great outcome for the brands, and I think at the heart of all of this is is let's not forget the user. You know, ultimately. We often talk about publisher data, brands data, but actually us as consumers, it's our data. 
And it's why it's so important that the consent has to happen both on the brand side. Yes, I want a relationship with Boots or another brand or Volvo or whoever it might be. And yes, I read, you know, themirror.com um, or .co.uk and I want to have a relationship with that publisher. And how do we join those those pipes together? And that's kind of what we want to do is facilitate that. And it's not, you know, it's not, we're very much, we make sure that when we talk about it, you know, this is happening. Like we have brands buying in this way. Over 50% of all campaigns from our clients are bought using on the ramp ID at the moment. So it's not conceptual. Um, it's 50%? Happening. 50%. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's an exciting place. And, you know, and I think it's, you know, Terry and his team and, and, and publishers like Reach are, of course, working with the likes of Boots, but it's tapping into those additional budgets that, you know, come based on Boots' car data that actually to help activate, measure, and, and, and attribution at the end of the day. It's a good point talking about the consumer. And again, they're often overlooked in these sort of discussions, really. So, so Terry, what, what's... I know the consumer, obviously, you're a publisher. The consumer is sort of front and centre of you, your mind all the time, I imagine. But this changing advertising landscape driven by the macro changes like third-party cookie deprecation, etc., how's that changing the experience that you're able to deliver to your audiences? Well, I think it's given us the opportunity to enhance that experience. And I, and I think that's been a... For the 15-plus years I've done this, I think that the, the, the challenge for me has always been that washing machine for 30 days, right? You, you get a washing machine up here and you've already brought it and it's cheaper in front of you and it annoys you. Um, and I think, I think from all of the stuff like the Plus products, which we launched a year and a half ago, which essentially is our registered users with insight and data and Mantis context, um, that's given us an opportunity to actually now not just only advertise, but also recommendation and content so we actually have personalized segments that would be applied to advertising and actually applied to recommenders on our site now so we can actually give people an experience in they've got the relevant advertising around the site they've got the relevant content they're interested in and that that engagement is proven to be increased and that's and that's i think they can have that personal experience and look in my eyes a perfect world is someone comes on to one of our sites in the near future and they have their personalized experience they have their content they have the ads and the brands they're associated with um and they have what they're looking for uh, and again to that point i was discussing this with a, a lady that recently got married and she got married been on the honeymoon come back um, and she was like, I'm still seeing wedding dresses. Uh, and it was like, no, that shouldn't happen this day and age. And this allows us to not do that. And, and, and again, it comes back to that life point of let's get people on the right track and where they are in their life. And if they're going to a festival, let's give them sun cream and sunglasses and wellies. That's the kind of stuff that we should be doing. And this gives us the chance to do that. Um, we should have done it before and we should have been doing it before. And we, we have with the Plus products a year and a half ago when we launched them, they're more precise and um, engaging for the user but this gives us even further in, in, like insight into what people actually want um, because look, the world's the world wide web is massive and people have got lots of places to go uh, and it's our job as publishers to say we are the best environment we are that safe place for you to come to get your understanding and look during the pandemic we we're lucky as a regional publisher that we had regional trust and and news so people were coming to us about how many COVID cases were in their area or what area, what was opening up or what wasn't opening up. And we built a lot of trust during that time and, and, and our regional portfolio really helps with that. Um, and I think that's, we learned that over the pandemic is that the more trust, the more engagement you get from the users, the better experience they have, the better experience we have, the better performance you have. So it, yeah, I think for us, the, the industry, the, 
it's given us the opportunity to do that. Just just to touch on that as well, like, you know, that, that kind of the consumer being happy, the user being happy with the, you know, it comes down to that kind of value exchange, as you said, like the, the experience on the site the, when they're consuming the content, if it's personalised, you know, that, that value exchange is critical to building out the authenticated web for publishers like Reach and, you know, you know, Reach and Terry were talking earlier, you know, they have a huge logged in user base, which is great. And there are other publishers that are still like, okay, well, we only have two, 3% logged in or authenticating. And, but actually, you know, it's it's on the publishers, not just the commercial teams, the, the editorial teams to, to, it's important for them to build out those relationships because, you know, often we talk about this sort of three, six, 12 rule. So yes, you might only have 3% of logged in users, but actually they're the most engaged that probably contributes to 6% of page views, which in turn is probably 12% of revenue because they're the most valuable customer base. So it's not about having 40% logged in users to be able to have a meaningful, you know, almost first party data solution. It's about starting small, growing it and actually learning from it and saying, okay, well, how do we, what are users engaging with? How do we, how do we continue to, to provide that, that value exchange that's valuable to them to, to kind of have a meaningful first party data relationship with, with the publisher content and the content environments that they're engaging in. What's the, what's your benchmark for a good authenticated base? You mentioned 3% is good and 3% is, you know, financially viable. Is there a benchmark for what's, what's your minimum as you're setting out on this journey, especially if perhaps you're, you're a smaller publisher than Reach? What, what's, what's the minimum you should be aiming for? Yeah, it's not, it's, we don't really look at it like that because again, it's, it's about, yeah, as part of the addressability team, you know, my role, my team's role is to maximize addressable reach for our brands. So actually, you know, the benefit of working with a solution like ATS is that you don't have to have a clean room strategy to be able to have a massive user base to then match it with a with a brand. Actually, by working on it with using ATS, there are other smaller publishers that actually have 1%, 2%, 3% logged in users. They can still benefit from that kind of large scale matching because the brands that are buying on Ramp ID, they're, they're on the same ID. So it's um, we don't really see it as a sort of minimum. If if anything, it's like, look, to try it, test it. You know, you've, you've, there's an opportunity now where you've got cookie-less inventory, you've got cookie, uh, cookie-based inventory. Um, there's nothing to lose, really. You know, I, th- I think especially for, you know, if you look at Safari traffic, you know, arguably that the Safari users are higher income earners so actually the brands want to reach them um it gives them an opportunity to have a, a, a larger reach by reaching people that are safari users so it's it's really a win-win for you know publisher yields we've seen you know um recent case study from one, a uk leading publisher and 185 percent increase in yield on cookie-less inventory when a campaign is uh, is, is being bought and traded on ramp id so the, 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 there's revenue there and there's and it's tangible and I think this is why you know working with Terry and, and it's exciting to see that and to help provide him and his team with, that, with those kind of increases in, in yield I mean Terry 185% increase in yield sounds quite amazing what sort of it does I would like that yeah, <laughs> so if you can arrange that that'd be amazing um, no I, look I think I think it's all relevant I think I think we as publishers we all say look we monetize non-cookie tri- like the cookie going for party, let's let's be honest, it's Chrome, right? So that's mm. that's the reason why everybody's gone, wow, okay, yeah. wake up. Um and that's been the job we've everybody's needed to actually look at their non cookieless environments because I think in the past people have gone Oh, it's just Safari. It's a smaller percentage, so we're not going to kind of take any notice of it. And, and, I, and I think one one key thing that switched for me a few, probably a year and a half, two years ago was when I actually looked and dig deep after a, a deployment that we'd done in terms of like monetizing Safari traffic or non cookieless traffic. 
and seeing that uplift from partnering with people like Live Ramp, even if it's a small uplift, it's a physical thing and it's not a concept anymore. It's the and that woke me up and went, oh, actually, that's really cool. That actually, I can see that, and and I think that's what really all the people that are sort of pausing or not just jumping in yet are missing out on because when they see that, even if it's a one or two p on a lower mm-hmm. yield you're going to see a physical and I think turn it from concept to practical is what people need to do. Um, and I think that, that will sort of inject energy into everybody in publishing because they will start to see that actually there's a big opportunity in environments. Like you said, the, the, the iPhone effect, right? Of booking a flight on an iPhone versus Android, it's cheaper on Android than it is iPhone, right? It's a bit weird, but again, for brands do want to go, Oh, look, I want to be around them people. And, and again, that's inferred data mm-hmm. saying that somebody, earns more money because they've got a safari um, browser but again brands believe in that they want to they want to target their environments and this this gives them the opportunity to do that love that idea of taking it's not a concept anymore it's kind of real i mean just run is that is that what you're seeing we're out there yeah absolutely and i think again it comes down to having those tangible results from the brands you know we have a a leading toy manufacturer that ran some ramp id campaigns and they saw you know three and a half percent um so three and a half times conversion rate in their campaigns and so yeah it's about you know those business outcomes so that it's the brands are benefiting from that addressability the publishers are benefiting benefiting from the, the, for the addressability solutions and so you know and ultimately the consumer is benefiting because they know that their data is safe and they've consented and it, you know this media has been transacted in a meaningful way and you know as terry pointed out earlier that you know things like frequency capping and not seeing the same ads or or relevant ads you know that's that's as important right you know those are the things that turn users away so it is it, it, it's that trifactor of like brand publishers the consumer all benefiting from you know addressable solutions how much do you think this situation is kind of putting the power back into publishers hands because arguably over the last 10 years you know as pragmatic came in and maybe pushed publishers down down the chain a bit and obviously publishers are the ones with the audience you're the ones with direct connections so are you seeing a sort of change in sort of maybe the power that publishers now have yeah i i i I believe that the the publishers have always had the power there whether they spent time investing in segmentation or data or etc etc that 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 has been the change i think the some publishers have been forced into changing and going actually now we have got the power but i think i think we've always had the power because we've had the content um and i think the 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 i joined reach four and a half years ago and we, we've been doing data a long time we've been and we've been doing it to a certain extent there is there is sections there's context there's urls there's the, the the top line targeting and now i think that yes the power lies in that specific targeting right it, it relies in that okay i want to follow somebody I, I i want to run several campaigns that are back to back which follows somebody from run a campaign for a property portal to get somebody interested in what house they want to buy then when they've brought the house, I want to run a campaign for a survey company, an insurance company. I want to then run a utility bill campaign while they're buying the house. Then once they've brought the house, then I want to show them furniture. And I really want to do, and this is it's going to probably be impossible, but I really love a case study where I could follow somebody with offers, get them the best offers that they've had all the way through a life event like that, and then go, look, that, that works. Because that's that's what's relevant. If, if, I'm, if I'm going to buy a new car... I want people to understand that, okay, I'm browsing seven different cars now. In three weeks' time, I'm down to two. You should be relevant. You mm. should be able to go 
actually looking at a Toyota or a Ford or, mm-hmm. and you should go to Toyota and Ford and say, look, they've narrowed this down and show them the data and say, look, this person was looking at 14 different cars. Mm-hmm. They're now looking at your brand and let's run a campaign for them. And, and that's, that's what we need to do because that's going to make the internet exciting again and yeah. and and i think we have been blindsided by there's a lot of display there's a lot of programmatic there's a lot of volume out there but it's not specific to us and i think we do we do need to spin it around now on the users and and say to them look this is this is the environment you're in and it's not just content you're interested in but here's a load of offers that i know you're interested in yeah and i think that's really powerful and i think that will make that'll make people feel like they want to be in that environment it's interesting you say that and that's exactly what you know, live rent, we're trying to power, you know, we're a neutral uh, platform, we're a data connectivity partner, you know, we want to be interoperable, interoperable across the ecosystem. And so the example you were just pointing out there is exactly what we're working with, you know, brands and retailers like Carrefour, we have a big partnership with Carrefour globally, uh, we're working with Boots in the UK. So you think about the retailers that own that data, they know who's put items in their shopping basket. You bring an FMCG brand that comes along and goes, right, well, we want to know if this campaign is effective or not. Has that led to um, someone actually going out and purchasing it on a retailer site? And then you have uh, you know, that same person tied to an ID that goes and visits you know, uh, one of uh, Reach's sites on mirror.co.uk. Oh, we can find that user again. It's, it has to be, but you need that con- consistent ID to be, able to, to be able to identify them, measure them, and then measure that and that attribution and, and help publishers with understanding that kind of like that whole workflow and value chain of the consumer. And I think, you know, that is, I agree, it's, it's really exciting. And this is why retail media has been talked about so much at the moment, isn't it? So these, they, the data is really valuable. And it's how do you bring in second party data from a publisher, second party data from, a, from an FMCG brand and look at, and look at doing that? Because that's, look, that's, what, that's what Facebook's and the Wall Gardens are doing. They're, you know, they're, they're able to do that because they can tie it back to a user who's gone out and purchased that product. So I think, yeah, this is exactly why, you know, bringing that to open market and publishers and premium publishers is, 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 is where, where I think things are moving. Retail media can be a harder term. Terry, do you see that as a interesting space for you to play? Yeah, yeah, really interesting space. And I think I'd, like the data geek inside me gets really <laughs> excited by the things that because I I think you go a step further. I think you you look at someone like Boots mm. and you know that actually they buy lipstick every four months, right? So then why advertise lipstick in that four month period? Mm. Actually, just have a calendar invite that goes right. We should now target them people, and that's and mm. that's where you get quite excited. And, and we did similar. Well, retail is it was in the car market for the pandemic and it was a it was an experiment to essentially a car a car a car enthusiast or insight to buy a car before the pandemic. And then what we did is we we looked at that segment and we said, actually anybody consuming job interview or loss of job during that period of time during the pandemic would take them out of the segment because one, it could be emotionally if you if you're gonna buy a BMW or whatever it was before and you lost your job during the pandemic, you don't want that BMW paraded in front of you, right? So it was an experiment to go, look, actually, we could do stuff like that. And I think that's where it's, it's, retail is definitely one of the spaces that's exciting. But I think every every area's got an opportunity for us to do get the right message to people and not annoy people, make them feel... Because it is, it's a, the pandemic was a very emotional time. And to be able to do that and go right, okay, it's not just a we're looking we're, we're looking after the brand because we're not wasting impressions and, and insight, but we're actually looking after the user first because we're saying look, that user doesn't want that and doesn't want the and it's back to the wedding dress scenario. She didn't want that wedding dress. She wanted to know about our, our honeymoon or or the next kind of holiday because she's depressed about coming back from a honeymoon. That's 
that environment and if I can create that, that's what as a publisher we want to do. We want to create that environment where people come on and go, Oh wow, that's really relevant. Like okay, thanks. Thanks for that. That's kind of what you want to understand. Yeah. And I think, yeah, the opportunity is there. You guys enable it with your technology and we overlay our insight and our context. There's there's definitely a opportunity there for all publishers to do it as well. Well let's end up and talk about trust you mentioned it just then terry i thought that was a lovely example of sort of uh looking after the consumer and not serve them certain ads about cars and they might might find that upsetting so we all know there's been a problem with trust in our industry consumer trust has been hit for various reasons so what does the industry need to do collectively tech firms publishers uh to rebuild that tr- trust you know what needs to happen ryan <laughs> is it, is it, that's question. not a last question <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's um, a big question I mean, where, where do you want to start? Transparency is, is probably critical. Um, and that, that follows through from everything from, okay, what is that user consenting uh, for, for the use of their data, both on the brand side and the publisher side? I think, um, you know, having those trusted relationships with, with publishers that they know well, you know, you know, publishers have really deep, meaningful relationships with their users, right? They're loyal to certain sites, certain types of content. So it's important that they, you know, that they continue to build up that trust. And I think equally on the brand side, you know, consumers have meaningful relationships on the brand side as well. You know, I have a Volvo, you know, I I want Volvo to know that, you know, I don't don't just bombard me with lots of ads. Actually take take my data, know that, okay, my my car is up for renewal in a couple of years and, and send me some messages in. Don't just bombard me with the, the latest electric vehicle now. But I think, you know, it, it does look there's a lots of work being done by the IAB around privacy and the regulations. So I think this is it'll be interesting to see how this evolves. But you know, I think all this work has been done for a reason, right? It's to put that consumer trust at the heart of everything within advertising and then move away from some of the activities that have happened in the in the past and actually make sure that the you know the user data is 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 held in a in a very secure way and then their data is protected. Terry, what can be done? Yeah, I, I think it comes down. It's a really simple statement to say, but it's quite a big way to uh, a solution to develop. Um, I, I think it comes down to. What does the consumer and user expect, and do they get that? And that is, and that is the key thing. If you hold that as a foundation of, they are expecting to get this type of experience, and actually we can give them that experience, or we can enhance it. Mm. That is key, and that's always been my opinion of. Actually, if you're doing targeting well, or you're doing enhancement well on segments and users, and you're providing good content, and you're doing that well. The user won't un- won't know that it won't be different for them. They won't challenge and go, "What am I doing here?" or "What was that? Why was that advert there?" or "Why?" Did-? That's the bit that builds trust. Actually, the trust comes from not come not disturbing their flow. That the u- users come into an area, they expect a certain service, same as we do in restaurants or wherever we go. We expect a service, and if you give that service to them in the correct way then that trust will build. And that's what we found during the pandemic with a regional business. It was, okay, we're, we're giving you trusted information about your area. And we could see it from our own comment areas where people were commenting going, this is brilliant, love the fact that the cafe's open now, blah, 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 blah. And it was building that community. And I think that's a really big piece for us is we are lucky in national and regional business and we've got a long scope of the UK, a large amount of the UK and we are building communities and that's that's where trust comes from building a community and when they come on our sites they should 
have the experience that they believe they deserve and, and what they do deserve. Uh, and that can be done with ads. Like, like obviously, I've been around a long time and when programmatic first hit, when I was explaining what it was, people were like, oh, more ads, more more un, untargeted ads, all that kind of stuff. And for me, it was like, no, actually, this can work. And an exp- a nice experience on a website doesn't mean there's no ads there. It doesn't mean that the content's a certain type. It doesn't. It just means that your experience that you deserve and what you want is delivered to you. And that's and that's our key bit. Is anything we do, the user should not be surprised. And that, and that and that's it. Give give the user what they deserve and what they expect, and that trust will build. Um, because trust is only broken when you don't you don't understand why something's happening and that's what we've always done and, and, and that's what we continue to do um, we have like our in your area platform which is our local news we get people registered and they give us their postcodes and say look can you send us a local news on our local area and that, that platform the engagement and trust we get there is huge because it's a feed of your local news and you give your postcode you've had that value exchange and we can go look actually the local window cleaner wants to advertised to you in your area and that's that's the key thing and I, we found that during the pandemic of and it's why we launched geo plus which is one of our plus products is the what we targeted was birmingham for birmingham campaigns right but actually what we didn't realize is that 60 percent of birmingham were working in birmingham they didn't live in birmingham right so with our regional business we're like what's the point of doing a local window cleaner in birmingham to them 60 percent of people so what we did is with Geo Plus, we actually went, where do you live and where do you work? And and we saw the segments move out of major towns because of the pandemic of people moving to the country. And mm. so, yeah, I think, look, I think there's exciting stuff there. And I think for us, it's, yeah, just just give the user what they expect um, and don't don't surprise them. And um, give them the choice, right? Yeah, that's give, them the choice. give them the choice. If you're upfront and transparent and they have a choice, then they can decide yeah. what, they, what they want exactly. to you know, opt into. Well, I think that's a lovely notion which to end, give the user oh, what they expect. Don't surprise them. So listen, thank you so much. That was a fascinating, fascinating chat. Lots of really actually useful advice rather than empty rhetoric, I think. So Ryan from Live Round, thank you so much. Terry from Reach, thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you. Thanks very much. That was much. a great chat. And thank you so much for listening. Goodbye.